Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, which means it's time to explore some strange news. The White House apparently is beefing a little bit with the sun. Uh, there are possibly Olympics that do not have the same rules and regulations as the current Olympics. Most importantly, the WHO has released some new information about a substance they consider carcinogenic. Oh, yes. But first, we're going back to June 13th, 2011, to tell you about a little video we made called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know Dash Aspartame. It was posted on the How Stuff Works YouTube channel, and before that, it was on iTunes video. And uh, Ben, I just posted the description there. Do you want to give us a read of the description of that video? Oh, gosh. We're traveling back in time. Aspartame is sweeter than sugar and packs less of a caloric punch. Sounds cool, right? So why has aspartame become one of the most controversial food additives in history, Tune in to learn more about aspartame conspiracy theories. Oh, thank you so much for that, Ben. Then, <laughs> guys, on July 4th, 2014, we reposted that video on our shiny new YouTube channel. Uh, I think we put the same description in there. And we also added a little something to the beginning of it. And I just want to tell you about that. This is a 
statement from Morando Sofriti, the scientific director of the Ramazi Center. He made this statement in 2011 at a little thing called the ALDE Seminar on Artificial Sweeteners in Brussels. Here's the quote. Aspartame should be considered a multiple site transpecies carcinogenic agents in rodents. A reevaluation of the current regulation of aspartame remains, in our opinion, urgent. Okay, so that's 2011, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, statements being made with a bunch of scientific experts around, and one of them going, yeah, uh, we need to classify this substance, aspartame, as a carcinogenic substance in rats, Right? Sure. Uh, just in rats. But also, weren't they like just feeding them hella amounts of the stuff, like for long periods of time? Yes, but there's more to it than that. I know. I know. But that was always <laughs> the, the thing that I think some people left out when they were saying, oh, uh, sweet and low, give you cancer. And we sort of, you know, forget that we're feeding these tiny creatures, you know, insane doses of the stuff. Well, we are. Well, let's, let's get into that really quickly. According to the FDA's website, you would need to ingest 75 packets of the branded aspartame NutraSweet or Sweet and Low or all those other ones before it's going to become even the level uh, that you're allowed to have during any 24-hour period, right? So 75 packets seems like a whole bunch. I've never had that much. Mm-hmm. But again, this is why this whole topic is weird. This is why it's being spoken about so much right now. This is why we're even covering it again because there's weirdness to this whole aspartame business. Now let's pause on the old coverage and let's go to the new story. This was posted on July 1st, 2023, the hottest day on record as of this recording ever, uh, literally ever. Uh, yes. The, ti- the title is the WHO is about to declare aspartame can cause cancer. Here's why you should listen. And this is written by Karen Landman for Vox. I'm just going to read directly from this a little bit. I highly recommend you check out the article. In mid-July, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, a branch of the World Health Organization, plans to release the results of a fresh review of safety data on aspartame. According to Reuters, the agency will declare that aspartame is, quote, possibly carcinogenic to humans. So this is all reporting on some reporting... That's going Mm -hmm. to have are some announcements, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So so as we're sitting here and, you know, discussing this in early July, we're recording on Wednesday, July 5th. uh, Right now, it's just, I guess, letting us know it's coming. But it is really interesting that we're all being warned that it's coming, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Matt, does this pertain the possibly um, portion of this to these classifications that carcinogens are are kind of given? I believe there's a one, two A, two B, and three, with one being definitely, two A being probably, two B being possibly, and three <laughs> being not. Yeah, I mean, this is what it has to do with, right? It's being it's being declared a possible carcinogenic substance. And that is because this product, I guess, food additive, this thing, this Mm -hmm. substance has been debated since its inception as a thing. And the science is kind of still out on it for a whole bunch of reasons. And if you continue through this article, it gives you the history of aspartame or NutraSweet as it was originally called by GD Searle and company when it was invented. Um, 
but it, it when I went back and watched our video again, guys, I pulled out a couple Ooh. of things that I think we just have to talk about because oh <laughs> man, oh yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Which, by the way, we talked about before in 2014 when when we released our audio episode. What are you actually eating? Mm-hmm. And then we put that out as a classic in 2021. We just want you guys to hear the aspartame stories so badly. Uh, but, but let's go over it right now. So as you say in your awesome voiceover, Ben, in that 2011 original video, aspartame or NutraSweet is discovered by a chemist working for this company called GD Searle and Company. This chemist is originally, a, or this group of people, you know, led by this one chemist, they're attempting to make some kind of anti-ulcer drug, but I don't know who accidentally tasted the thing, but somebody got a little in their mouth at some point and they went, wow, that's (laughs) sweet as hell, guys. I wonder if we could put that in stuff. (laughs) I tried to find that person too, when I was researching and writing that, like I, I, I tried to find that person and it's super close to the chest, even now. Like the person who, who had that, uh, like we know the invention of the microwave comes from the guy who had chocolate in his pocket around microwave energy, Mm -hmm. but we don't know, uh, we being current society, we do not know who got the lab leak in their mouth and said, "Mm, I'm not dead. And this is pretty tasty. (laughs) (laughs) But it happened to the public. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. It definitely happened. And, and this, Company, GD Searle and Company, it's a pharmaceutical company. They create drugs, right? New drugs. And when they decided, hey, we could try this thing out, they tried to get FDA approval. And in 1974, they did get approval for NutraSweet as, and this is very important, as a food additive in dry goods. Okay. And it started going out into products. But a lot of consumers were complaining about this stuff. Maybe some of them were complaining out of fear and misattribution of ingesting the substance and getting things like headaches or someone uh, becoming blind at some point when they began eating aspartame. Maybe they're misattributing the cancer that somebody got after they started uh, ingesting aspartame. Or maybe not because a ton of people were, were saying these kinds of things publicly. Or again, it was called NutraSweet at the time. It was a branded thing. But I mean, as, as we talk about a lot in our AstroTurf episode uh, of, of recent time, uh, it's really tough to draw a straight line from a thing to a condition uh, and ha- with certainty. So no matter how many of these reports you get, uh, it's obviously been in debate because the stuff's been on the market and is still very much on the market and incredibly popular. Um, and there is certainly no cut and dry answer as to whether, yes, this stuff definitely is giving lots of people cancer. Yes. And a reminder that those... Reports have been coming since the late 70s, early 1980s. So then, you guys, approval of the substance gets paused for a little bit for more studies. And this is is in the early 1980s because there were doubts about consumer safety, right? And specifically doubts about the studies put forth by G.D. Searle and company. Mm. Because, again, like... So what happens in this whole capitalist society sometimes, depending on the amount of regulation and the type of regulation, some companies can test their own thing and be like, guys, look, look at all these numbers. It's good to go. Or pay uh, some sort of uh, fund, some sort of post-grad experiment regimen, which tends to indicate the preconceived 
or hoped for conclusions of the place. Man, that video slaps, you know, I wish it we does. had more time with it. Yeah. It reminds me a lot, too, of the kinds of studies that went into, uh, quote unquote, proving that OxyContin was not addictive. You know mm. what I mean? And then it was only kind of found out that those studies were loaded or were being twisted and the data was being manipulated. So there is cause for suspicion, not fully saying that's always what's happening. But anytime that a company is putting out its own research into their product, probably good to get a, a third party confirmation. And yeah. WHO is not the FDA. Also ah, true. But let me give you the short part first and then I'll give you the explanation. After it was paused couple years later it's fully approved as a dry good food additive and then a little couple of years after that it gets approved and this is really important as a liquid additive oh baby for drinks all the soft drinks because remember as we were recording this it's not NutraSweet anymore it's aspartame aspartame is in i think a, a little over six thousand available products right now that you can mm-hmm. consume Matt, was it a, a, a an escalation when it was made available as its own individualized packets that you can sweeten whatever you want with? Or is that a different conversation? Is that considered a dry good if it's just the thing in a packet? Ooh, I don't know. It was sold separately. I don't know. I honestly don't have that information in front of me. But uh, I imagine selling it as a food additive as its own thing is like pretty much the same as it being allowed to be added. But I don't know. It came uh, in terms of order of operations or deployment. It came as a packet before it became an ingredient in liquid. Mm. Uh, So that's why, like now we have created brand familiarity, right? Mm. Now, Coca-Cola, Diet Coca-Cola or whatever with aspartame is a cameo, right? From Mm. one of your earlier friends. Now it's not just a crazy chemical you it's know, a collab. Now it's, it's a feature. Yeah, right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Now it's a collaboration. So exactly. Speaking of collaboration, I'm going to mm. give you the conspiracy at the heart of the original video. I'm going to try and I think this is how it goes. The theory is that the FDA, the CDC and several other government agencies have been aware of aspartame's dangers for decades. But because of the needs of a private company, you know, profits and stuff, and the revolving doors of business and politics, this potentially cancer-causing substance has been greenlit by all the parties everywhere in perpetuity. Uh, That's the theory, right? There's some kind of collusion. Here's why people think there's some collusion. Do you guys remember a dude named Donald Rumsfeld, once Secretary of Defense? Donald Rums, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, He's somewhat famous in these parts. Well, guys, according to Defense.gov's bio on Rumsfeld, quote, Mm -hmm. from 1977 to 1985, Rumsfeld served as CEO, president, and then chairman of G.D. Searle & Company, a worldwide pharmaceutical (laughs) company. The successful turnaround there earned him awards as outstanding chief executive officer in the pharmaceutical industry from Wall Street transcript that was in 1980 also Uh from financial world in 1981 here's from the harvard business school website quote the real success of searle gd searle and company the ones that invented nutrasweet under rumsfeld came with the fda approval of aspartame the artificial sweetener that became popular and very profitable for searle during the 1980s diet craze okay so that seems a little weird Mm -hmm. How did the Secretary of Defense help make aspartame a thing? 
like it goes back to um I don't know what are some of the other there's some other weird coincidences with like uh George Bush senior and running you know as vice <laughs> right. president and for some reason having all of the FBI report directly to him it's fine mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah or why does the secret service work for the treasury and not the executive i mean they're they're like and that's not even that's not even entering a uh private entity conversation you know yes. matt you did something fantastic here because we're look we know it might sound crazy but as matt is saying years ago we pointed out that this stuff is carcinogenic and somehow the mechanisms of power allowed it to slide into all sorts of things. Uh, and I want to give credit where it's due because, Matt, you also, uh, this is around the same time, we were going through a soda phase. This is around the same time you pointed out brominated uh, vegetable, oil. vegetable oil, brominated vegetable oil. I should recall the specific chemical name. It's the stuff that makes orange soda taste orange and at the same time effervescent and carbonated. It's also bad. Uh, yeah. These are these are not crazy Nostradamus predictions. We're looking at this, and right now, folks, Matt is showing you a bit of the mechanisms behind how this clearly damaging chemical or substance came to be normalized. Because again, WHO, uh, World Health Organization, and uh, what is it? Uh, International Agency for Research on Cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not the same thing as the FDA. That's no. right. Um, just want to point out really quick, just to just to have a little bit of a devil's advocate here. Maybe not. I don't think anyone's saying that drinking a Diet Coke is going to give you cancer instantly. Uh, we are talking about long term exposure, like over the course of one's life. Um, and those categories that we talked about, the one, two, a two, b and three contain lots of different stuff. Uh, some substances that sit alongside the newly classified two b aspartame are aloe vera extract uh, and pickled vegetables. Um, I had no idea. I'm not saying this like I, I knew this. Actually, I literally just found this out and was shocked to realize that pickled vegetables are also considered possibly carcinogenic. Uh, yeah. Why is no one talking about the pickled vegetable conspiracy? That's all I want to know. Well, we should. I got to get this last thing out because this is what ties all the whole thing together with possible motive. A 2017 Vice article written by Kristen Lawless. We've cited this before. The title is, Why Did the FDA Ever Approve Fake Sugar? I'm going to read verbatim from this. Thank you, Kristen, for writing this. Quote, the FDA first approved aspartame in 1974, but an FDA scientist at the time, Adrian Gross, discovered that there were serious shortcomings in all 15 long-term studies that Searle submitted for review. For example, some rats in the studies died, but were not autopsied after to, to discern the cause. In other cases, the aspartame was not mixed well enough into the food, and the rats were eating around it. There was also evidence of brain tumors in the rats in several studies. Gross's findings, along with pressure from other scientists, resulted in a public board of inquiry in early 1980 consisting of three independent scientists who reviewed the data and voted to withhold approval because, quote, they did not believe Searle's studies conclusively showed aspartame did not cause brain tumors. That's not good. (laughs) Well, here and here's where the connection is. At the time, Donald Rumsfeld was the CEO of Searle. He was also on the transition team for Ronald Reagan, who was inaugurated in 1981. Hey, after the inauguration, Searle reapplied to the FDA 
after Rumsfeld is now in the mechanisms of the White House, mm-hmm. Searle reapplied to the FDA for approval, at which point Reagan fired the sitting FDA commissioner and replaced him with this guy named Arthur Hayes Hull Jr., who reapproved aspartame yeah. for dry products. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Check this out. This is when aspartame goes everywhere for the dry goods, then it gets approved in liquids. And going back to the article, quote, soon after, Hull left the FDA and took a job with Burson Marsteller, the PR firm that worked for, guess who? Searle. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Searle, uh, by the way, which Monsanto purchased in 1985 for $2.7 billion U.S. dollars. Uh, <laughs> Searle made billions off of it. And Rumsfeld became the Secretary of Defense under President George W. Bush. Isn't it interesting? Well, at least he wasn't made the head of the FDA. That's all I'm I'm saying. Irrelevant. <laughs> but geez, man, these machinations within machinations are enough to do your head in. Um whether or not aspartame is killing anybody outright, I mean, there were serious questions and remain serious questions. And we see this stuff get fast tracked. And if this has taken us this long to really realize or have someone come out and say, yeah, actually, this has been the truth all along. What other stuff is out there that, that shouldn't be? We always talk about drugs that question. get fast tracked. All of these things that get fast tracked and pushed out before they even before you really truly know what the uh, impact on someone during a lifetime might be, yep. uh, and that's capitalism for you. I mean, it truly is. Like it's everything is just in favor of like how can we make the buck as quick as possible? And I'm not I'm not trying to sound, you know, uh, despairing or trying to sound completely jaded, but I swear to God, the more we talk about this stuff, the more I think, yeah, there is no God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, GD Searle at the time needed a win really badly. They literally brought Rumsfeld in to those positions to cut costs. And he ended up cutting a, a ton of money and expenditures and they needed something to make a ton of money. And they did. They got it. Mm, who knows? All right. Look up quote aspartame questions and answers. It's on the WHO website associated with the international agency for research on cancer. It's got answers to the questions you may have after listening to this. Okay. And with that, We're jumping to word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more strange news. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we're back with another piece of strange news. This one is mega strange, and it, it figures into a lot of the conversations we've been having of late about things like body modification, or more specifically, maybe gene modification, or what would you do if you could make yourself the best you that you could be, like, you know, objectively speaking, not in terms of, like, your attitude, but, like, you know, your your ability to sustain long periods of, of uh, activity, you know, or perhaps to uh, keep your body temperature in a certain, you know, level uh, in extreme conditions or whatever it might be. If, if there is some way to edit your genes to make you live forever. Um, well, we've had an example of this kind of thing that has always had a bad rap for a long time in professional sports. It's called Doping, I guess, for like that's sort of the catch all term for a bunch of different activities that are illegal. Um, I believe they're only they're, they're not illegal like for life. They're just illegal in sports. Isn't that right, guys? Like if you just want to do some blood doping, you know, on your own time and you're not in the Olympics. It that, depends um, on the it depends on the um, the nature of the substance used, the country in which it's used opinion of the ruling body of whatever professional sport may mm -hmm. enter in conversation. But in general, as I've always said, uh, legislation <laughs> lags behind technological innovation. So there are literally substances out there that may alter natural performance, uh, and there are no laws to regulate those outside of specific policies instituted by sporting bodies. And if I'm not mistaken, there are even so to, to that point, Ben, there are some drugs that are so new they can't even be tested for yet or they actually mimic natural uh, chemicals in the body. That was something I was reading and, and looking into this research. I don't have specific names here, but that's a little outside of the topic, though. I think this might be a good follow up longer form episode two, what we've been talking about with genetic editing uh, and what that means, who gets to do it, you know, what does it, what does it mean for the future if there is a class of hyper people, and I don't mean just like hopped up on, you know, caffeine, I just mean they're like better somehow uh, than others, and, and who gets to afford that, and what does that divide mean in society? 
We're talking about specifically today cheating in sports. Uh, if you take, you know, um, steroids, for example, which is there's a huge issue. So many major athletes, you know, Lance Armstrong, people that were unimpeachably beloved, you know, it would seem found out to have been taking steroids, you know, which are performance enhancing drugs. There's lots of different ones. Blood doping is one that's always eluded me a little bit. I believe it has to do with oxygenating the blood. Like or it's like you literally get like sort of an on the on demand sort of transfusion where you you kind of like somehow enhance the blood, not necessarily with drugs. I believe it has to do with oxygenating. Do you guys know what the difference between what blood doping is? Yeah, uh, blood doping is where you you essentially re-add a person's own blood to their bloodstream. <sighs> yes, and that's it, right. it happens. Uh, it happens about somewhere around like a month, a little less than a month before a race. So you're you're. You're hyping yourself up, but you're not using other substances. Mm -hmm. You're using the products of your own body at this point. I was sort of right about the end goal. The end goal is to allow the blood to transport more oxygen to the muscles, which can up one's stamina uh, and, and potentially increase one's performance. And you were absolutely right, Ben, about the way that that is done. But we know this is things that happen. We know there are tests. We know that, for example, the uh, the Olympic Committee, um, they take this stuff very seriously. And drug testing has gotten more and more, um, you know, specific and more and more rigorous. And, you know, it's just not something something that is tolerated. But what if you might be asking, there were a whole new Olympics where all bets were off regarding these uh, enhancements? Yes. What if? Yes. This is a question I asked years back. We were all hanging out on uh, a different show. Uh, it was on, um, oh, what's that one? Uh, Harmontown. Dan, Harmontown. We were hanging out in Harmontown. The Special Olympics. Noel, is it happening? Is is there a real? Uh, is there a real anything goes Olympics on the way? Well, in theory, um, there is, and I'll tell you who else predicted this. Ben, way back in I believe the eighties, uh, there is a. I believe Kevin Nealon was the host of sort of the fake news show on SNL, and there is a segment on that about uh, the drug Olympics, uh, essentially an Olympics where any drug you could imagine uh, is fair game. So, to answer your question, Ben, is this happening? In theory. There is a fellow by the name of Aaron D'Souza, uh, a.k.a. Mr. A, who you may have mainly heard uh, associated with the collapse of Gawker Media by billionaire Peter Thiel, um, who essentially, you know, along with Mr. A or Aaron D'Souza, uh, toppled this news organization through a series of lawsuits. Uh, I think the real kicker was the one involving invasion of privacy and, and Hulk Hogan and, and a sex tape and all of that. So this guy, serious legal powerhouse, is an Australian citizen and the whole legal strategy behind the Gawker um, annihilation was his idea, by all accounts. Now, he is coming forward uh, with this idea to start uh, what he is referring to as the Enhanced Olympics Enhanced Games. In an Australian Associated Press article, they refer to it as an audacious plan for sporting event without drug testing. Um, and, he, and this guy, D'Souza, wants to stage the first one of these next year. Um, and he's thinking about it in a really interesting way. Um, he is... By, by a, lot, a lot of the detractors of this say, well, this isn't sports. This is spectacle. And I would agree. 
But also, what is sports if not in its own right, its own kind of spectacle? And at what point do the two things you know combine? I mean, the, the purists who, who are, are sporting fans would argue that it's about you know pushing the boundaries of the human form, you know, pushing the boundaries of human ingenuity and perseverance and and, and physicality or whatever. But we also know throughout history, people have been caught for for using these kinds of performance enhancing drugs. Uh, I saw a really fascinating list of, uh, I believe, the 100 meter dash um, in, in the Olympics, and uh, the fastest time was by Hussein Bolt um, in Berlin, the Berlin Olympics. So the year is escaping me at this exact moment. But almost every other entry that that were slightly slower than Hussein by like a few milliseconds had either been accused of or actually um, convicted or whatever the term might be, you know, caught uh, for some form of performance enhancement. Uh, the interesting part of this whole conversation is that the number one guy, clean, completely clean. So the question then becomes, if everyone is able to use performance enhancing drugs, is it just kind of changing the playing field and re-leveling it and putting everyone on an even playing field? And to D'Souza's point, he's like, well, there's an interesting uh, aspect of that, too, because somebody could enter the competition and say, I'm coming in clean and I'm better than all of you mofos that are, you know, blood doping and, and, and you know, juicing or whatever. And then therefore it becomes this like almost man versus machine kind of kind of spectacle, you know, like the, to, to the point of some of the folks that are criticizing this. Um, I, I don't know. He basically says it's good television is what, is mm. what D'Souza says. Uh, but also he has a real philosophy behind this. And some of it is very interesting. Um, there is a section on his website or the website for this, I guess, initiative called enhanced.org. Uh, and it is a section called inclusive language. Language matters. I'm going to read straight from it. The use of enhanced and doping can vary between different groups and generations. For some people, especially those entrenched in an antiquated way of thinking, words like enhanced and doping have negative connotations because of their historical use as discriminatory terms. These terms have been reclaimed in recent years and are becoming increasingly used, particularly by younger athletes, as an empowering way of describing oneself. There's then a section. I'm just going to read this and then we'll move on. But on the Colonialist origins of doping. Steeped in racial prejudice, doping and its variations are harmful words wielded by sports federations to keep athletes from embracing science. The term originates from the colonialist Dutch forces description of the performance enhancements used by the defending West African tribes. The word was soon used to describe the medical enhancements given to horses uh, before being weaponized against the black population in the 1980s war on drugs. Um, so I guess the term doping was really used more as like this enhancement kind of thing from the Dutch origins before it was referring to dope fiends and dope addicts. No, who's know. that author again? Who's that journalist? Yeah, well, this is from the website of, of enhance.org is where I'm reading this. Okay. So it's not cited. That's my point. And uh, I don't know exactly. I, I can't cross-reference all of this stuff specifically. I actually, my point, I think, is that some of this is a little murky. Um, but let's let's get through this, and then we can talk about it. Um, doping is a colonialist slur that reeks of symbolic and historic violence against both the black and enhanced populations and needs to be removed from our vocabulary. Larry. Hmm. Wow. Well, but they, they sell shirts and stuff that say enhanced on them, I guess, to reclaim it. That's the idea and make a profit. Yeah, but, I mean, the idea of reclaiming a slur 
is a little that's you know that to me belongs to words like in the lgbtq community like you know the, the q word and like the n word you know and in, in, in the black community those are words that those communities are allowed to use to describe themselves and they can do so with however they see fit um, but it is not for others to use then it becomes a term of abuse um, that to me is what reclaiming means this to me is a little frivolous when you try to lump this argument in with those arguments but maybe not and i'm not familiar maybe ben and matt maybe you're more familiar with this colonialist origin of the term doping but i, I am not um it, to me it seems a little propagandistic uh the the way this is sort of being spelled out here yeah it's tough because it, this movement as you said is latching on to something that is actually happening where there is reclaiming right and empowerment occurring it's it's strange in my opinion, to attach all of those things to the choice to take, you know, certain substances or not and spinning it as science, you know, uh, enhancement through science, which it is in some way, but at the same time, it's going against the rules of a lot of, you know, these large sporting organizations, they agreed upon rules. So it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but it feels no, like I, I agree with you. I don't know. It just feels weird to me. I can posit an answer for you, Matt, to uh, Noel's earlier question about the etymology of the phrase doping. Uh, Noel, you're you're on the right track when you mention the idea of the Dutch, because during Dutch colonialism, uh, there was a specific tribe that had a beverage consumed in religious ceremonies as a stimulant. This was called by uh, the colonists, uh, the colonizers, this was called DOP, D-O-P. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, every time you get to the, um, the origin stories uh, of etymology and uh, the origin stories of specific words, you arrive at anecdotes, you arrive at, um, at murky guesses. Right. And so the origin of the word doping is still under intense discussion. It sounds as though the sources you are quoting are objecting to the use of the terminology more so than the physical activity itself. However, for everybody who wants to be fun at parties playing along at home, doping does appear to have entered. At some point, the English vernacular descended from uh, colonial observations of religious practices of earlier communities. Yeah. And then the question becomes like, I mean, sure, they're, they're, this is someone that these uh, colonialist forces are looking at as a problem, <laughs> someone they are seeing as an other who they want to quash. So therefore, the term inherently has a negative connotation, and they probably are using this as some sort of like way of maligning these uh, religious practices or saying that they're like heathens or something like that. So perhaps the origins of the word, yeah, problematic, it would seem. Um, this is news to me, and this is very, very interesting, and I would love to look more into this. But no, to your point, Ben, it would appear not only are they more concerned with the use of the word 
uh, itself than the activity. They are very pro the activity. Um, they are saying that, that these athletes are, are grown ups. They should be able to put whatever they want into their body, my body, my choice, and all of that. Um, and their main issue with this enhanced uh, movement is that the heads of the um, these sporting organizations, for example, specifically they're referring to the Olympic National Committee, uh, are very wealthy. Uh, receive all kinds of payouts and bonuses and what have you, but that to be even a gold medal winning Olympic athlete often comes uh, not only at a price to your life because you just have to be so focused and borderline obsessed, if not just fully obsessed, uh, that a lot of these folks end up not wealthy at all. Even despite, you know, working their entire lives to reach this point and get these accolades, you know, there's a lot of stories on the side of like folks who have competed in Olympic competitions and have ended up like living out of their cars and stuff like that. Again, there's there's definitely a, a bit of a perspective here. No question about it. But. The idea is that to level the playing field and wipe away the rules that they would argue this elite group have made um, is nothing but a good thing. Uh, you are the enhanced movement. Together we can fix sports and defeat the corrupt International Olympic Committee is sort of the catchphrase, you know, at the very bottom of this website that's on every single page. Um, so I, I don't know. It's fascinating. It, it truly is. You know, I just stop exploitation as a section on it. This says here, the president of the International Olympic Committee dines with billionaires and dictators, jets around the world and lives in a luxurious six star hotel while American Olympians are not even given a salary. There's truth to a lot of this. What it has to do with performance enhancing drugs. I don't quite see the connection, but maybe I'm missing something. I mean, it, I don't know. I don't want to be cynical. It feels like a way to start on a huge event that you could have. That's what it is. You know, oh, every yeah. year, every couple of years. And theoretically, like the Olympic Committee, make tons and tons of money on. It seems like someone that has an axe to grind against the Olympic Committee, too. Yeah. And they're trying to come out and, you know, make them less relevant. But but then there was an article that I read, I believe it was in The Telegraph, that pointed out um if everyone's taking the same performance enhancing drugs, is it, it's not cheating anymore. And so it sort of misses the point, you know, like if, if people are doping in, in the, uh, now I'm starting to feel weird about using the term. If people are taking these performance enhancing drugs or, or using these performance enhancing treatments um, and they're doing it secretly in the hopes of not being caught, then that's cheating because that's against the rules. But I still come back to this, uh, this idea of Hussein Bolt, getting that best time in the 100 meter and testing completely clean and almost every other entrant in the top 10 of that event throughout history has had some accusations of, uh, of performance enhancement levied against them, if not outright proven. So this that just goes to show that like you don't have to do this to actually be the best. Um, and I think the idea of someone openly entering this event and saying, no, I am coming in on my own steam and I'm not taking any of this. Like, is that person given special special considerations or their handicaps? Like, you know, like there isn't golf. Like, I just it's 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 fascinating. And it really is, Ben. You nailed it in that Harmontown chat. Um, it, it does start to feel a little bit more like a weird kind of, you know, free for all future event that is a little icky. Maybe. I don't know. Not a huge fan of the Olympics either. You know, people stake their lives on that stuff and then get injured horribly and then can't do anything else because that's all they've they spent their whole lives, you know, figuring out how to be the best 
person that can jump the highest or the farthest or run the fastest. And then when, when that dream dies and doesn't really provide for you or your family for the rest of your life, where, what are you left with? Something to think about. I don't know. You guys have anything to add? And I think probably spent enough time on this one. Part man, part robot, all Russian. I think that's what was stated. Shout out to Spencer Crittenden, who uh, was the one who said, we got to remove that, Ben. And you called it the genetically altered Olympics, by the way. Well, you got to cover bases. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going like, it's a part, uh, part man, uh, part truck. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. All Russian. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. All right, we'll take a quick break, um, have a word from our sponsor, uh, hopefully not the International Olympic Committee, and then we'll be back with more strange news. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Check out our episode, by the way, uh, or our earlier conversations about the IOC, not to be confused with the AOC, very different things. Have you guys ever heard about solar radiation modification? Yes. <laughs> but you know I like a good rhyme, so I'm all in. I'm always kind of freestyling. Uh, Matt, Matt, you said you heard of it. Do you mean things like sunscreen? Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm talking about. Stuff that'll protect 
An individual skin from solar radiation. No, no. And, <laughs> until you check out our episode on sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. oh God. <laughs> We're here for you, folks. Uh, so this evening, real quick, wanted to give you uh, some strange news, fellow conspiracy realists, something that will mean a great deal to uh, entities like me and you and Everybody else who thinks the sun is getting a little big for its britches these days on planet Earth. Before I say anything about this story, I should outline the following axioms. One, the sun is the only reason life on Earth exists. This brilliant, crazy star feeds the vast majority of ecosystems on this planet. There are a couple of exceptions, like deep sea vents, uh, right? Uh, but those, those ecosystems, if you think about it, also depend on the sun. Maybe not for the energy it provides as it burns, so much uh, as for the gravitational attraction it exerts on the planet, right? A living Earth produces ecosystems and the sun is the reason that earth is around but if we are being honest the sun's a real pain in the ass and i wanted to bring this story to us to all of us listening along tonight because (laughs) a long long time ago matt you and i were uh talking about how influential the Matrix trilogy was. I think we were talking about this before the third film dropped. Uh, And there's this moment in the lore, in the universe of the Matrix, where the powers that be are at war with what they call AI or thinking machines, however you prefer it. And as a result, uh, they know that these thinking machines are solar powered. They decide to block out the sun. Matt, what happens? Oh, it's just everything's, it works, you know? <laughs> no, you remember this, right? Yeah, famous buddy comedy, The Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Loved it, loved it. Yeah. There's a, there a, there a, a talking raccoon at some point, I believe, as well, right? Mm. Yeah, you know what? Let's see what uh, Matrix 4 brings us. I thought of everyone who, um, everyone tuning in tonight, who was also not a daywalker, when I read something quite interesting from the United States Presidential Administration. They have, quite recently, as of, um, let's see, we're recording on a Wednesday, it's July 5th, happy birthday to my old man, Uh, we are recording just days after the U.S. released a report about how they're trying to get a handle on global warming. And kid you not, one of the ideas is something called solar radiation modification. Why don't we just block out the fucking sun? <laughs> I heard a weird echo on my end when I said that. Do you guys hear any reverb? I think it was the sun being, <laughs> being irritated and plotting against you. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. But the, uh, the White House has released uh, this statement, and it comes from the Biden administration. And they're studying, with good faith, the idea that altering sunlight might help cool the planet at a faster pace uh, than would happen with 
the current attempts to um, to mitigate global warming. So the the current attempts include things like reducing uh, fossil fuel emissions, right? That's one of the big ones. Uh, reducing the use of machinery that uh, that can propagate fossil fuel emissions. This idea is something totally different. It's saying let's remove some portion of the sun's energy that reaches Earth's atmosphere. I don't know how you would do it. And first, you know, we have to ask, are they saying build a gigantic umbrella between the Earth and the sun? I don't think it's that. They're they're trying to get the boffins of the world to figure out a way to filter certain radiation coming from the closest star. I don't know. I I mean, does this sound crazy? Yeah, it sounds pretty crazy to me. I'm looking at the research plan now, Ben, the the White House put out, just trying to wrap my head around it. Like, what are they actually talking about? Yeah, Um, you'll want want to go to uh, page 24, section B, development of scenarios for solar radiation modification. I mean, are we talking some kind of filter? Are there, was there more than one way of doing this? Like uh, one thing to say, block out the sun and people immediately picture apocalyptic, you know, being plunged into permanent darkness or whatever like that. But you would think, I mean, isn't technically that what the ozone layer is there to do? Mm. And the fact that there's a hole in the thing sort of not doing its job so well anymore so uh what what, why not focus more on fixing the hole in the ozone layer or having some sort of deflector filter thing that would have to be obviously massively huge and i'm no space scientist here but it seems like it would be a difficult thing logistically to accomplish um maybe i'm sorry if i missed it ben are there alternative ways that are being proposed has someone come out and said we've got the solution we've got the fix you've uh you've nailed some of the pertinent issues there Noel. uh one of which is the idea of a filter uh with uncharacteristic happiness fellow conspiracy realists we can report the ozone hole over the south pole has actually shrunk considerably in recent times it's good news for the rest of the world. Uh, in terms of a filter, yes. Uh, how could you deploy a filter? One idea is to multiply the amount of specific aerosol dispersants in the stratosphere. The idea being um, kind of like cloud seeding facing out. If we can create the right mix of substances and put them at the right level of the uh, of the atmosphere, then the idea is that these substances may be able to somehow bounce back the bad stuff from the sun while allowing the good stuff in to create essentially another filter on the atmosphere. Of course, this sounds a little expensive, <laughs> you might say, uh, and and this is untrod ground. This is untrod air, rather. No one knows what will happen when you do this sort of stuff. In science fiction, if it's good, is only fiction for a minute. We remember the lessons of the Matrix. This, this idea of modifying the amount of solar radiation that reaches Earth, reaches past some part of the atmosphere onto the ground and onto the life forms living there, 
it feels dangerous. It feels like we're messing with something we can't understand. But again, at the top of this strange news segment, we already talked a little bit about how the heat is rising. You know what I mean? Like these are the hottest days in recorded history. In desperation, people find innovation. And sometimes in desperation, people go to extremes. I, I don't know. Like, what, could this work? What will we do? Sorry, I remember this. I don't know, Ben. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know what we would do. We made an episode in 2020 about stratospheric aerosol injections. Yes. Yeah. That's what that. this plan was uh, back in 2020, and they were talking about it. It's nuts to me that we're now in 2023, and the White House is saying, yeah, guys, we need a plan. Like, how, how are we going to do this? When can we do it? Uh, let's go. <laughs> That's crazy. That's just such a roll of the dice moment, right? You know, one of the world's most dangerous governments is saying, I don't know. You know, we sprayed some stuff up there. Why not spray more stuff up there? Roll the dice. Home of Las Vegas, baby. <laughs> so what what happens? Uh, they're very cautious about this. The big, the big strange news is that the official executive branch of the U.S., is releasing this in any sort of serious form. We can see the caveats aplenty from far away. Noel, Matt, we're, uh, we're raising already very salient points. You know, climate change is going to lead to very bad things that we have, uh, we have cited previously. However, what would you do if you if you found an aerosol that could say reduce the amount of harmful heat getting through to the world without hurting uh, vulnerable life forms and crops and so on? This wouldn't fix air pollution from fossil fuels. It wouldn't fix ocean acidification. It would just turn the lights down a little bit, right? <laughs> With unknown consequences i don't think it's gonna happen it's so nuts i'm gonna give you this is not an analogy this is just a comparison that's happening in my head when i'm thinking about this yeah it's yeah, like yeah. humanity's got a house right and and attached to that house is a garage and we invented this thing called a car and we parked it in the garage and we turned on the engine and the smoke is just you know kind of filling up the house and we're like man that's weird uh, it's getting warm in here. It's kind of hard to breathe. That's kind of strange. Why? Well, I, I I really like the car though. So I guess let's just put a filter uh, on on the front of the door. We, we can't close the garage door because there's no door there. Um, let's just let's just put a filter system, or maybe let's spray some more stuff in the air to make it you know less bad. Mm -hmm. We like the car too much. It's just too good. <laughs> that's the question, right? <laughs> we like our, like, that's that's the thing. I love that you point that out. I think that's brilliant because it's kind of like the United States saying, well, we're not going to change ourselves. We should change the galaxy. You know what <laughs> I mean? Is it us who's wrong? No, it's the solar system. <laughs> so like, let's focus on that. Also, you might, you might be tickled to find, folks, that the European Parliament and the European Council, the EU, basically said that they're down to clown. They said, we can discuss internationally how human beings can limit heating from the sun. You can write to the White House, 
press office uh, and you can, like me, not get a direct response on this because I imagine they're sort of busy. I, I don't know. You know, there's also the valid criticism where someone would say, hey, wealth inequality is spiking. People are in desperate times on the ground. What is your weird sci-fi plan about blocking the sun due to help them in the next two weeks? You know, I, I think that's always a valid question. It reminds me a little bit of the excellent Mr. Show sketch where they decide to blow up the moon because Just like the as a flex science is there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How weird uh, is it that this is happening as AI seems to be emerging, like actual ooh. AI seems to be emerging over the next 20 years or whatever, while the humans are attempting to maybe block out the sun a little bit. That's a little weird. I thought you would like it. Come on. I thought Come you liked on. the Matrix. That was for you. So. It's not supposed to be real life. It's supposed to be fantasy. <laughs> well, we're going to call the Wachowskis uh, and ask them about this. Also, while this is accelerating, I want to give a couple of statements from an energy department veteran. Suchi Talati was an official of the Energy Department, DOE, under the Biden administration and is now the executive director of something called, you'll love this, guys, the Alliance for Just Deliberation on Solar Geoengineering. I mean, the writers go on strike, and this is what we get? It makes me want to watch the Mr. Show sketch again, that's for sure. <laughs> it's a brilliant piece of writing. Uh, and it seems like it might be a while before we get any new brilliant pieces of writing. Solidarity with the writers, by the way. Agreed, agreed. And solidarity with people who are pushing beyond the bounds of conventional human physique in these unhinged Olympics on the way. Solidarity with everyone who has wanted a Diet Coke and has thought about the bigger picture. And also, you know what? Solidarity with the boffins, uh, solidarity with the nerds, everybody who is working on honest, rigorous research that is often used <laughs> that is often used to uh, make a big headline. Uh, I'd like to end with the headline of the week. Speaking of that, found this online, quote, "Open AI sued for stealing everything anyone's ever written on the internet." <laughs> with that, with that headline of the week, we're going to call it an evening on strange news. I uh, hope this finds you well. Hope you can find us. We try to be easy to communicate with via any number of platforms. It's true. Find us on the internet. We exist to handle conspiracy stuff on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. Hey, do you like calling and leaving voicemails? Of course you do. Call 1-833-STDWYTK. You've got three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your name and message on the air. It's that easy. If you don't want to do that, why not instead send us an email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus